This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. If you had not seen the ads before, you certainly saw them now. He Gets Us is the name of the advertising campaign. It's very expensive, too. Not just one, but two Super Bowl ads. It ran right there in the middle of that big sporting event. He is Jesus, and he gets us. Is that the Jesus of creedal Christianity, and why are this year's ads controversial? Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi, author of the National On Religion column for the Andrews McMeal Universal Syndicate, and for two decades he led the GetReligion.org website. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. The He Gets Us ads were expensive. They were controversial, again, maybe even a little more this year. But did anyone really ask what's the purpose of the ads? Well, ironically, that question was asked more in the commentaries about the ads than in the kind of hard news, factual coverage about it. I think the assumption by both supporters of the ads, and ironically, some of their critics on the left, I think the assumption is that the ads are pre-evangelism. And they hope that the ideas and the images in the ad will appeal to some unchurched people and may make them kind of curious and willing to consider giving the church another try. That opens up decades, decades of debates about whether mass media evangelism actually works or if it does. I mean, that's a discussion that I've discussed years ago with the late Billy Graham and some of the people in his organization. And they kept stressing that the primary evangelism that works is individual people making friends with other people and then inviting those people to church. That that's what actually works. Or inviting them to small group meetings in which they encounter some ministry that helps them. So you could have written a very interesting story in which you sat down with the people who funded the ads and then a voice that I don't think I saw anyone consider talking to was it possible to talk to the people, the artists, the advertising experts and writers who actually created the ads? Because I'm wondering to what degree now the people who funded the ads will look at the commentary from left and right and say, what were we hoping would happen with these millions of dollars that we could have spent on a, a lot of traditional forms of evangelism at ground level. Why the Super Bowl? Why do it in this form? Which ultimately, we come down to a question that isn't answered. Who were the ads for? Because the most important thing in mass media theory is figuring out who is the audience. Then you have to find out whether the message in the ads worked with that audience 
or, or simply were unclear. I also, by the way, have questions about the entire image of foot washing as it was used and depicted, but I'm coming at that, of course, from the viewpoint of a liturgical Christian in an ancient church which includes a foot washing rite that is directly based on Scripture. So that's another issue we should discuss. If an editor said to young Mattingly, who's transported to the 21st century, Mattingly, write me a story about these He Gets Me Super Bowl ads. Where do you begin? Follow the money. And everybody was curious about the money because there's a lot of money. And I think the assumption was accurate that if it's depicted as an evangelistic project, the assumption is that the funders are people who want evangelism to be done. And that immediately says evangelicals. And it's pretty easy in this case. And some people on the hard left made it very clear that these ads were funded by very dangerous right-wing people who believe in all kinds of things like religious liberty and they're pro-lifers and they want to defend religious groups and religious believers from attacks rooted in sexual revolution issues such as LGBTQ lawsuits and stuff. In other words, the ADL gets mentioned in there. And you have the funders called supporters of hate groups by the Southern Poverty Center. And you you have some usual suspects here. But what's really interesting is when you get down to the content of the ad itself. And I viewed this ad through a paradigm or through a lens that we've discussed lately, which is this concept in our media today that good people cannot do bad things and bad people cannot do good things. So a lot of the left, assuming these ads were produced by bad people, religious conservatives, which means the content of the ad is a way of tricking modern liberal people into thinking that the conservative evangelical churches, etc., are not harsh, judgmental groups that consider them sinners. And that's an assumption on the left. Bad people can't do good things, so bad people couldn't have produced ads that were sincere about loving oppressed people. And every single person whose feet are being washed is to one degree a character, as Aaron Wren has pointed out, is a character in dramas of oppression as judged by modern the modern political world. Then, if you assume that the ads were produced by good people, and you're coming from the left, then it's possible, if it's going to be a good message, the key message in this is Jesus didn't hate, which means the primary audience for this ad is not the lost. The primary audience for this ad is bad Christians who hate people. And we saw some of that message surface in discussions of the ads, that this was a way for good evangelicals to judge the work of bad evangelicals. On Twitter, I raised an issue. One of the images 
that got everyone's attention is the woman outside an abortion clinic, which, of course, is called a family planning clinic or something like that, family care clinic. I forget the exact words. And she's washing the feet of a woman who presumably is pregnant but is going into the clinic to have an abortion. And in the background, we see pro-life demonstrators. But one of those demonstrators appears to be washing the feet of a patient going into the clinic. I had a thought about that. How would the press cover if pro-life groups all over America showed up the day after the Super Bowl outside of every abortion clinic with containers of water for people to put their feet in and offered to wash the feet of everyone who was going into the clinic, both the staffers, the workers, etc. And what if they did this while the other demonstrators just simply prayed or if they were in England, just thought bad things, just did thought crimes standing nearby. And I predict that that would be viewed as a hostile act, which made me wonder if people had really thought through that particular image. But that's just me. That's just the sort of question that old Mattingly asked. But I, I think young Mattingly would have asked that question as well. Terry, what do you make of the media coverage of He Gets Us? Well, like I said, there were basic factual questions that I still don't think we know. And let me give you a reason for why I think it's important to ask who actually created the ad. And that brings us to the biblical account. Now, it's my understanding that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod approaches the foot washing passage on Monday, Thursday, correct? And y'all hear it read? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, do any parishes actually act out the foot washing? Well, I'm sure that there are parishes that do. It is not part of kind of the official Lutheran tradition for that observation. Generally, for Monday, Thursday, the emphasis is on the Great Commandment and then the Lord's Supper. Okay. In the Orthodox tradition... I think there's a heavy emphasis on here. First of all, this is the only foot washing. And the whole point of the ad was Jesus washed feet. Well, he did that once. That's not something he did with lepers. There's no account of Jesus washing the feet of Herod or Roman soldiers. He didn't cleanse the temple and then offer to wash everybody's feet after he had driven out the money changers. In other words, a, an ad of Jesus washing the feet of the money changers would be a very provocative thing. But Jesus washed the feet of disciples. And he did it as their Lord, but demonstrating humility in this action for them under some concepts of cleanliness within Jewish law, etc. And in the Orthodox ritual, this has a kind of an interesting parallel in that the priest, it usually begins with the priest washing the feet of several members of the congregation. Now there you have that relationship between the symbol of God the Father at the altar and who offers Christ to the congregation is shown washing the feet of disciples, members of the church. But that rite also, and every time I've ever seen it done, has the lay people washing the feet of the priest. 
and of other ministers in the church, which is another interesting thing. How do you think this ad would have been viewed if it showed, uh, let's say, a policeman washing the feet of a demonstrator, and then it had the demonstrator washing the feet of the police? What if the final image of the Catholic priest or a minister, assuming Catholic because they have it in clericals, washing the feet of a gay person who's been on the beach, presumably in California, what if the ad had then had the gay person washing the feet of the minister? Do you think we would be having some interesting discussions of that? And which set of images most closely resembles the, the kind of the, the intent of the New Testament passage? Just asking that. I, I don't think many of the articles, and certainly not the hard news articles, bothered to call anyone and say, I mean, if you called up a church historian or a theologian and said, did Jesus wash feet as a part of his ministry to the lost? That'd be a very interesting question, because I think the answer is no. But did Jesus demonstrate that as an attitude of humility that he wanted his disciples to learn and view that toward the people to whom they minister? At which point, that might be kind of what the ad is implying. But don't you think it would have been interesting to ask that question to the creators of the ad or maybe some theologians who know that scripture passage inside out? The Federalist had a column about he gets this. What did you make of it? Well, that raises the other image and the other issue here, which is the Federalist focused on a alternative ad that was cranked out pretty impressively, very quickly, by a conservative. And in this, it noted that Jesus calls people to repentance. And thus, it has an image of a celebrity tattoo artist who left witchcraft to become a baptized Christian. Then it has a Ku Klux Klan member who converted to Christianity, a gang leader who converted to Christianity, a drag queen who converted to Christianity, a former prostitute who converted to Christianity, a jihadist who converted to Christianity. So you get the relationship here. They're saying Jesus loves us, Jesus gets us, but Jesus' goal is to convert us. At which point, we're right back where I was a while ago. For most of the people interpreting the ads, in the ad, who is the good person and who is the bad person? How are the Christians who are depicted as good what are they doing that makes them good? And who's supposed to be converted? I think the central question here is whether the purpose of the ad is to do pre-evangelism, but that the message of pre-evangelism is that, hey, not all Christians are haters. We know you think that lots of Christians are haters but they aren't all haters. 
And there was a, a very interesting article at Medium, it's the name of the website, by a man named Leon Bloater. And Bloater is a liberal, it makes it very clear, and he liked the ads. But then he said, okay, if the purpose of the ad is to get people to go to church, is that good? So let me read just a second to some of this to our listeners, because see, once again, this gets down to who's good, who's bad, what makes you good, what makes you bad. So he says there's a problem with the ads. Quote, if people outside the church view these ads and then decide to give Christianity a chance, what will they find in the kinds of faith communities around them? The answer is it depends on where they go. They may visit a church where women cannot be pastors or elders. They may also discover that while LGBTQ folk are welcome, they are not included in the life and leadership of the church. They may also find leaders and members who have very hardline views on immigrants, refugees, racism, and a host of other issues, which stand in sharp contrast to the message of that he gets us ads. To put it bluntly, if that is the case, these cautious visitors may never darken the door of a church again. So what makes a church a good church, one worthy of critics of the church, of the lost? But see, there you go. I just used the word lost. Isn't that a judgmental word? What makes a church good and what makes a church bad? And that's where Aaron Wren in his commentary says, just point blank. He says very much so. Every single idea and image in this ad is explicitly left-wing in terms of culture and politics. And he liked last year's ads, but he really tears in to these. And he's essentially voicing some of the concerns that I asked about. But see, I don't think we know what the creators of the ad meant to say. And then, as I said earlier, is the message the ad speaking consistent with the message that the funders of the ads thought they were going to speak? And I think that's really where the, the discussion gets interesting. But you're seeing that in the commentaries about the ads, but we're not seeing it very much in the hard news coverage where people should be asking these kinds of factual questions. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He is author of the National On Religion column for the Andrews McNeil Universal Syndicate, and for two decades he led the GetReligion.org website. Terry, thank you very much for your time. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly.